Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. I learned a long time ago. It's not how many people are in the midst. It's who is in the midst. The Bible says you can just have two gathered in his name. Remember Jesus, as he said. For if two of you shall gather in my name, two of you shall gather in my name. There I am. It's not about how many. We put too much emphasis on how many, how much, this and that. And yeah, that's fun to do those kind of things. But really what matters is who's there. Who's there? Because you guys didn't come here to hear from me, did you? you? You didn't come here for me to entertain you, did you? Thank goodness. Because I don't got nothing that's really of any value compared to him. Amen. So we're going we're gonna to give you what he gave me. So that's going to require you opening your Bible. We already said hello to those on the stream. Hi, Olita. I said I'd wave to you today. Hi. I know you're in your big easy right now. Just chilling. I'm glad you're on board. We thank you for you, you others uh, that are watching. Uh, if, you're, if you're watching us, you're hungry. Because <laughs> you got all sorts of options out there on the, on the world wide web. So we appreciate you uh, tuning in. Just, just be mindful that you've got a part to play. You've got to make room for what the Lord has for you. That means you've got to put some things down, like maybe your other devices that are on at the same time. <laughs> and just focus in. Let your heart begin to, 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 to seek out for what he has. Amen. Because he's not coming to touch our mind. He's not necessarily coming to touch our body. He's come to touch our inner man. And when that gets right, then the mind gets right, and so does the body. So I'm glad you're, you're with us and you're tuned in. Amen. Let, let's believe God, Father. Here we are. Each one of us could be somewhere else right now, but we chose to be with you. And you knew we were coming. You knew who would be here. You knew what the needs are in this assembled group. And so you're here to provide. But Lord, we have a part to play. Father, you don't work alone. You need our cooperation. You need our permission. You need our agreement. You need the faith that you gave us. And so right now we open our hearts to not just to hear, but to receive and to implement that which we hear. So that we'll be not just a hearer of the word, one who is self-deceived, but we'll be one who is a doer of the word. Therefore, we become the blessed. So we choose to be blessed. So we're listening. We're hearing. And we're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you got your Bible, 
whether it's a hard copy, whether you got some kind of a Bible app on some device, or maybe you're just going to look at the TV screens. However you're doing it, let's get our Bibles out and ready. Let's allow God to speak, because this is Him talking us to us this morning. We're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18. It says, Now, when? Now, God has placed, and I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible, might be a little bit different than what uh, this has on the screen. He has placed each one of the parts in one body, just as he wanted. And, and if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Probably just a big head, I guess. He says in verse 20, along the same subject matter, he says, for there are many parts, yet one body. So here we see Paul telling the Corinthians about the spiritual body of Christ. And that's what his church is. We are the body of Christ. And so every believer is a place or a position or a part of the Lord's body while on the earth. So as a whole, the entire church, every born-again believer, makes up the entirety of the Lord's spiritual body. Now that's a little bit hard to wrap our mind around. Amen? I'm also of the opinion that every local body begins to form and to, to, to bring uh, to bear the Lord's spiritual body. Because just like everybody needs every part, and so does the church, needs all the different parts of the body to be functioning, to, to make it complete, and also to, to, to bring about what the Lord wills for us to, to accomplish for him. So from these three verses we just read, God has placed us. Who did? God placed us. You know, we don't pick where we go. Uh, the Lord and I had a conversation years ago and I told him what I was going to do in the body of Christ. <laughs> and he's done that many times. I'm going to do this. He goes, oh, no, <laughs> no, you're not. Well, you can do it if you want, but... You're not going to be happy with that. You see, see, he's got a plan. It's not up to us to ask him to bless our plan. No, we pick his plan, and then it's already blessed. Amen? So he's the one that places where we're at. And at the time he places us that, it may seem like it's a bad fit, and that's what I tried to explain to him. But obviously he knew better. And so each one of us are different parts of his body. Some of us might be a finger, some of us might be an ear. Different parts of a natural body is what makes up his spiritual body. But even though we're all different and having a different supply, it's up to us to become one. To become one. Now, let me make a statement here and, and don't just blow it off. 
because not many Christians like to hear this, <laughs> I wish, of which I was one. After having read this and said this, what this means is, is that every believer, remember, because he said every one of us, every believer has a functioning ministry, a functioning part in the Lord's body on the earth. Meaning that we have a place where we're to plug in and bring a supply. That's what activates those individual parts of the body. Now, let's look at it again in Romans chapter 12. You see, it is the majority uh, belief that the church was created to serve. And that's really a misnomer. The church is where we can serve. Doesn't that sound different than what you've heard? I mean, I grew up in the East, and, and the, these ministers, these pastors were these professionals, and they're called alongside them, and they do everything. And so you just go there to the church and be served. And if you need something, you let him know, and he'll take care of it for you. Well, there, there is that function of the church, but that's not as important as me coming to the church, finding my place, and then bringing my supply and being part of the active functioning part of that church and bring my supply. So some of this might be, might be new to some of you and even those out there, uh, but just read the Bible and, and we can see it. Romans 12, 4 says, For as in one body... We have many members, and we just described that. Your, your body has many members. And the members do not all have the same function. Right? My toes do something completely different than my fingers, even though they're very similar. So we, though we are many, <clears throat> we are one body in Christ. And individual, individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given unto us. Let us use them. And then it goes on to describe some of the different members of the body. But we can see from these verses that every believer has a functioning ministry. There's, there's no part of your physical body that doesn't have a job. Now, there's times that we use different parts of the body without realizing we're using them. They've just been so accustomed to do what they do that we don't even think about all this taking place and what those different parts of our body are doing. Our place in the body is important because we are all different parts. Think about just, just one part of your body that isn't functioning. What if I only have one ear? Well, I can still hear, but you know, I'm not hearing so much over here if I lose this right ear. My, what, my ability is now diminished because one of my part that 
isn't it really that important because it's not the only thing it's hearing. I've got two of them after all. But it's, it's nice to have stereo. Right? And so anything missing. Well, it's just like when I was working in the stone quarry. Almost every week, if not every day, there, I'd, there, I'd get a boo-boo. You know? And, you know, I don't know how many fingernails I lost in the quarry. Well, I don't want to tell any blood stories, but you, you know what I'm saying? But when that one part is hurting, all of a sudden that part becomes very important. I got to be careful how I pick something up because I don't want to use that finger. And that's how we are in the body of Christ. Now, this is what I like about this, because when we begin thinking about plugging in and, and begin bringing a supply uh, into a local church or a local ministry, a lot of times we focus on ourselves and we just seem that we're, feel, we feel like we're inadequate. Inadequate. But this verse says that God gives grace to every part. So serving the Lord is not about what I bring to the table. It really has to do with me accessing his grace so he can work through me. Look over here in Ephesians. This is a very common uh, truth that's interwoven into the epistles. Here, here now we're in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Therefore I, the prisoner for the Lord, urge you, being you and me, to walk worthy of the calling you have received. Now, I used to think that this word, this call of God, was reserved for people in public ministry. Like the guy behind the pulpit, or the guy on the platform, the guy that's very visible, the, 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 the man and the woman that's, you know, God's using. Well, they have this call. But me, I'm just, I, you know, I'm just a churchgoer. I just have a Bible and go to church. I'm, that's, that's what I do. I don't have a call. But doesn't this contradict that? This verse? It says, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. Every believer has a calling, just like every part of our body has a calling. Like this little pinky is, is created so I could drink tea like this, like the Brits, you know? Um, it's a calling. No one else, no, no other part in my body can do this. Well, sometimes like this, but you know what I'm saying, right? So let me, let me make this bold statement and, and hold your rocks until later. Every believer has a calling, a ministry, or a function with responsibility in the body of Christ while we're on the earth. And the thought of God using me becomes a very difficult challenge to overcome. 
Now, see, my personality, as my wife will tell you, my humanity is very meek. My, my humanity is, is very, uh, could I use the word, shy. In, in high school, I used to walk down the hall like this and couldn't look anybody in the eye. I had trouble, if, you know, in the class. If I had to, you know, you'd have to give a speech. I struggled with that. Uh, I didn't want to answer questions, you know, in the classroom. I didn't really want to be seen, right, in fear that I'll make a mistake, right? And so when we begin thinking about God using us, it's, it's, it's a distant thought and consideration. I looked over here in, in 1 Kings yesterday in uh, chapter 17 and 18, and I started thinking about Elijah, the prophet. Now, he, has, he did so many exploits for the Lord. I mean, he was, he was pretty awesome, right? Like it tells us in these two chapters, 17 and 18 of, of 1 Kings, it, he, he, he spoke to the sky and commanded it not to rain. And that lasted for three and a half years. He was in the midst of a showdown with the false prophets of Baala. And he called down fire from heaven and consumed the offering after they hosed it down three times. He defeated and killed 450 of those uh, false prophets. That's when Israel came back to the Lord that day. And then he prayed in the middle of a drought that had been happening for three and a half years and commanded the rain to fall from the sky. And guess what? It did. And he did so many different things that we, we sometimes when we think about ministry, we think there's no way we can be like this guy, Elijah. Right? He, he's like a super, you know, something or other. And he's what I'm not. Right? But you know, God's interesting. God's really interesting. Have you thought about the people he's used? Did he use Moses? He was a murderer. Did he use King David? He was an adulterer. How about Mary, the virgin? Did, did God use Mary? She was a teenager. You know about teenagers, right? She was one of them. What about Elizabeth and Sarah? They were old, and they were barren. I'm not talking about the dog I grew up in, grew up with. Baron von Pucci the first. I'm talking about they couldn't give babies. They couldn't make babies. But God used them. What about Saul of Tarsus? You know, Paul, the apostle, who wrote over half the New Testament. He tried to spoil and waste the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And commissioned the death of many. 
God used him. And what about Peter? He denied Christ. How dare he? How dare he? So if we think about that, if he can use people as imperfect as all that we just described, he can use someone like you or maybe even I. See, we keep looking at the wrong perspective of who God is is willing and able to use. So let's get back to Elijah. Going over to James chapter 5, verse 17. James 5, 17. Now, can you, can you agree with me that Elijah was crazy, super awesome? Can I say it that way? I mean, you know, you just want to, you like to talk to him about, you know, when he called fire down on the, on the sacrifice. And, and, you know, there was a time where the anointing came on him and he outran the, the, the king's chariots. Man, I, I wish I could run that fast and that far and beat a bunch of horses. And when he was caught up into heaven, what was that like, Elijah? But check this out. I'm in James 5, 17. Now, <laughs> look at the first four words from the King James. Elijah was a man. Doesn't sound really super duper there, does it? He, he's... he's He's just a human being. <laughs> and here comes Elijah. Eh, just another guy. Just a man. And then he describes this man. He's of like passions with us. You know, Elijah wasn't any different than you. Elijah wasn't any different than me. And, so, and I go right down the list. Moses was a man. Mary was a woman. Elizabeth was a woman. Sarah was just a woman. I don't know about them, right? And, and Paul, he's just a guy going around killing people. Listen, listen from, from this. It says that he was a mere man subject to like passions and inconsistencies as we are. So what separated him? What, what, how, how did he turn from, he's a man, to doing these great exploits for God? Well, this tells us. He prayed. He prayed. What's prayer? Number one is humility. It's a recognition that I can't do it by myself, and I need help. 
and it's giving God permission to now work through us and for us and with us. The only reason it didn't rain is because God did it. <laughs> Hello! The only reason the fire fell is because God did it. Elijah just knew what God wanted to do, and he, he was the guy that said, come on, and called it down. And God goes, that's that part of the body I needed right now and, and right then on the earth, and there it is, kaboom. And heaven collided with earth because of a man. Even God needed permission from a teenager to place Jesus in her womb. And he found a woman that would say, well, according to your word, be it done unto me. And boom. She became the mother of Jesus forever. By one act of being a functioning part of God's body. Whew. Here's what it comes down. God's looking for somebody. I said God's looking for somebody. Because he can't just come down here on the earth and work independently of man. We have proof of that in these 66 books. The only time he worked independently of man was prior to man being given the earth. Now he has to work through the system that he created for man. And so he's looking for a place to manifest himself through and it has to be through a man or a woman. Not a dog, not a cat, not an elephant. Through a human who is an eternal spirit. He's looking. Now, who do you think he's looking for? Like right now, he's looking at all of us. What? is he looking for? Is he looking for ability? Is he looking for intelligence? Thank goodness he ain't. Right? Is he looking for talent? He's not even looking for good looks. Wait till you see some of these guys in heaven. You're so-and-so? <laughs> right? I mean, they, they, they said David was ruddy looking. That sounds like someone that got run over by a four-wheel drive. Now he's now ruddy. I mean, I, I don't want to be called ruddy. Oh, Pastor Bruce, he's ruddy looking. Oh. oh, I probably am, but anyway. You understand what I'm saying? He's not looking for anything natural. He's not looking of any of your traits as a human being. So what is he looking for? 
two things. Let's see if I qualify. First of all, he's looking for a righteous man or woman. Now, when you think of righteous, you think of somebody who's excelling in right living, and that is a part of righteousness, but that's not the righteousness he's looking for. In the Bible, the righteousness means one who believes in God. Remember Abraham? It says that he believed in God, so then that's what his righteousness is based upon. So God's looking for a believer. That's all he's looking for a believer. One who has the nature of God in their spirit and has God the Holy Spirit living inside of them. That's what he requires. Now there's been times that he'll use others, but it's very remote. Very remote. So anybody here? You righteous? Huh? You believe in God? Right? So he, he's that, I qualify there. Now here comes the kicker, because we've got a lot of people that are available because they're a believer. He's looking for somebody who is, wait for it, available. Available. I want to read a verse of scripture because i got a couple minutes. This, this is one you may, maybe uh, you haven't put on the refrigerator. Ezekiel 22.30. It says, I searched, and this is God searching. He says, I searched for a man, dare I say a human being, that could be man or woman. I searched for a human being among them, who would repair the wall and stand in the gap before me on the behalf of the land <clears throat> so that I might not destroy it. He's looking for one human being. One human being. Dare I say it again? One singular individual human being would be enough to save the land. And yet, I found no one. How many of you ever heard of the woman, Catherine Kuhlman? She was mightily used of the Lord, and yet she was a woman. She, she was asked how she was called to such a ministry. It was fascinating what she said. The Lord came to her, visited her, visited her and told her, I have gone and spoken to five men, five ministers, and ask them to take this calling 
and be in the ministry I'm about to give you. And all five of them said, no way. And he went to Catherine and said, do you want it? Did he pick her? Because she was available. She never wanted to be in the forefront. She never wanted to have the responsibility of such a mantle. But the Lord came and asked her, and she said, yes. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? God can only use those who are willing. Those who are available. Now, God has set each one of us in the body of Christ. And yet, if you would survey the you know, Christians out there, why why did God set you in the body of Christ? What function do you have in the body of Christ? What, what are you graced to do in the body of Christ? And most go, I never even heard about that before. So it's not something that many of us are aware of. Most Christians have the mentality, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, can't wait to get there. And we don't think about cooperating with God in what he wants to do and how he wants to use us here on the earth. Now I know this is getting a little bit as we used to say in the, in the 70s heavy. But, but you know we, we need to talk about these things, right? I'd rather know and disobey than never know and not have a chance to obey. So, I'm graced to provide a function and a ministry to, to the Lord's body. How am I going to find it? How am I going to locate it? Because it you're not going to see something go up in the sky. Many times you're not going to have a visitation. It's not going to be like you're riding your donkey one day, you know, and, and, and God knocks you off of your donkey onto your donkey, like he did Saul of Tarsus. That's very rare. Not many of us are going to see a burning bush. Because he's given us all we need to know right here. In his published will of God. So how do I find where God has graced me to serve him? And this is what I came up with. Many times, we find where we're graced when we make up our mind to serve him. And you'll find that place while serving him. Now, I don't want to turn the spotlight on me, but just for the sake of example, my wife and I, when we received Jesus, we were just so in love with God. Oh, so much in love with Jesus. Oh. And we were so thankful and so appreciative. And so we started going to church. 
Well, it was a, it was a little church, and you know, little churches have a lot of needs. Yeah. And uh, one day, you know, the pastor s stands up and says, "Well, you know, we've decided we're going to insulate this building, and so we're going to blow uh, what is it, cellulose or something into the into the paper or whatever, into the little, you know, in between the." However, anyway, we're going to insulate the building. We're going to meet here on Saturday. If you want to help, come on out. Well, Mayor and I had just done that to, to our old house up there at Carter Lake. I go, well, I know a little, about, a little bit about that. So I decided oh, I'll just go. So I show up on that Saturday and just help these guys. I didn't really do anything other than maybe steady the ladder. or It wasn't a whole lot that I was doing, but I served. It was it was it was kind of neat. I was I was a part of that, you know, to help what God was doing there at that that church. And then it was several months later. They said, "Well, we need we need a Sunday school teacher." And you know, I couldn't even spell Sunday school teacher. You know, I, I didn't. I, you know, I never taught from the Bible ever. I'm I'm, I'm not qualified to do that. I'm not trained to do that. I don't have any certificates on my wall to do that. But they needed help. And I probably wasn't the best fit. Just like Catherine Kuhlman. She was fifth down the line. Right? How does that make you feel? To be a warm and fuzzy, you know? God didn't start with you. God ended with you. And that's kind of how I felt. I just, like, Whatever. And so I t talked to the pastor. I said, hey, I don't know how to do that. This is, this is how I think I'll approach it, you know. You're hired, you know. <laughs> and what hired means you're volunteering. And so every Sunday, were you helping me with that, baby? With the Sunday school down in the basement? Yeah. And so, so just teaching in a Sunday school turned out that we started a busing ministry and hauled the kids to church and then took them home from church while we took them downstairs and, and uh, taught them. They called it Sunday school. We, we called it church. And by, by the end of that school year, I think we got eight kids saved and uh, just had like this little mini revival in the basement of this church that we were not qualified to do. But there was a grace for that season. There was a grace, there was this enablement for a season that empowered us to do it. It wasn't because we were so awesome that we, wow, is that, is that guy Bruce talented? Whoa. No, it was a grace that was on us. It was an empowerment from him because we were serving him. And then while doing that, that's when we saw that he had called us to pastor. But it was while we were serving, just, just saw the need and just began serving, that then when we saw the next thing. Because faithfulness starts in little things before it can turn into having opportunity to big things. So... We're all a part of the, the body of Christ. We're all graced to fulfill that part. And we have to be a part of him as a believer 
And we, we've got to get to a place where we carve out enough time to serve him. And then just be faithful in whatever it might be. And whatever it is, there'll be a grace there. And the Bible says this in Revelation, that in heaven, you and I will be clothed, dressed in our good works. Now, that's not meaning being a good person. It means being clothed in what you did for the Lord while you were on the earth. And some Christians will be wearing a Speedo. <laughs> and when you, when you see them, you're going to go, oh, okay. <laughs> you watch from the live stream every week. All right. <laughs> you you kind of you pinpoint who they are, right? But then there'll be others that'll have some beautiful garments. Now, this has nothing to do with going to heaven because we're already on our way. But it, but it has to do with creating a resume that we can give to Jesus and say, while I was on the earth, you know, the, the talents, the talents you gave me, this is what I did with them. And there's nothing better. Go ahead and stand up. Stand up, stand up, stand up, please. Stand up. Say, I am. I am a believer. I'm a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am his righteous man or woman of God. I'm qualified and I'm graced to serve Jesus. It may seem little what I do, and some may not even see what I do. But I'm doing it unto him. I say, I'm available. Call me, Jesus. Here's my phone number. I want to go out on a date with you. I'm available. And when you call, I'll be humbled and gracious to follow you. Just lift your hands and say, hallelujah. 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 Amen. Now, tonight, I'm excited about healing school. Now, some people have this idea that healing school is only for people who are sick. Wrong. Yes, it is for them as well. But the main focus and the main purpose of healing school is to get you to a place where you don't need to come to healing school ever in the future. Smith Wigglesworth made this statement. If you wait until you absolutely need to have faith for something, you're too late. Now's the time to build our faith in receiving healing before we need it. While we're healthy now. Now's the time when you're healthy to develop your faith in healing. Because there is coming a time where you will need that faith. And Mary and I have been doing this for 39 years. And I, every person, if my memory is serving me well, every person that came to us with a life-threatening 
uh, illness and who hadn't developed their faith, it was very difficult for us to get them healed because they waited too long. And it's hard to develop faith when you're in pain. It's hard to develop your faith when the doctor has given you a death wish. It's hard to develop your faith when these circumstances are so big and distracting to build your faith. So it's so much easier to build your faith when you're healthy. And that's what prayer school is for. So you don't need to develop your faith when sickness comes. You've already done it. The other reason for healing school is so that you and I get off our blessed assurance and we go out there and start laying hands on people outside the church. Healing school will get you to the place where you're competent, you're confident, and your faith is full that you know that when you lay hands on someone in Jesus' name that they will recover. Amen. That's that's a function of the entire body of Christ because Jesus said, in my name, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. Amen. So that's tonight at 6 o'clock.